Hey everyone, this is Anthony Fleming, Senior Pastor of Church Alive, praying that this message is fresh, real, and powerful in your mind, your heart, your family, every part of your life. If you enjoy these messages, subscribe to it, share it with a friend to build their faith. God bless you as you lean in to the power and presence of God's Word. Promotion, or you, you know, get that degree from college, or maybe you start a new relationship. It's so easy to come into church and raise your hands and say amen and say, I love you, God. You're so good. You're so faithful. You're so kind. Have you done that before, or is it just me? Okay. So, what happens when things aren't good, though? When illness strikes your family, or maybe there's a death in your family, a loss of a friend. Uh, maybe there's a loss of a job, maybe an unforeseen traffic ticket, because that really takes you out and ruins your day, doesn't it? <laughs> but my question to you is, are you still praising him when yeah. things get bad? Good. About a year ago, my family and I went through a pretty devastating uh, time in our life. We found out my mom had a brain tumor, uh, and it was pretty, pretty scary, and it really rocked our family and really rocked the core of our family. Um, and to be honest, I went from singing God's praises and saying, you're so good, you're so faithful, to quietly saying, where are you? Why is this happening? How are you allowing her to go through that? Why are you doing this? And I imagine some of us have similar questions or similar trials that you're going through as well. And whatever situation you are facing, maybe it was similar to mine or maybe it was something different, I empathize with you. I understand where you're going, where you're ending up, where you're going, where those thoughts are going, right? And I know there are many sleepless nights, there are many gut feelings, there are many heartache, there's many tears, there's many pains, and it's sometimes hard to digest, right? But through the, through the storm my family and I walked through, it actually taught me so much, and I ended up walking away grateful that it actually happened, which is crazy, but stay with me here, I'm gonna walk you through it. There's three points that stuck out to me during this journey, and I wanna share with them, uh, with you today and hopefully encourages you in your storm. The first point I wanna make is you have a choice. The longer your storm is, the easier it is to get bitter and angry and resentful, but you have a choice. You can either sit and stay in that pain and that hurt, or you can choose to say, God, you are still amazing. You are still incredible. You still sit on the throne, and regardless of my situation, I am still going to praise you, and I'm still going to give you everything. Now, don't misunderstand me. There were many nights where I was awake, staring at the ceiling, crying, and so mad and angry at God, but I knew one thing wasn't going to change. I made that decision. My love for Jesus was not going to change, regardless of the situation. I've seen his goodness, I've seen his faithfulness, I've seen his kindness, his love, his, oh my gosh, he's amazing, isn't he? 
And I said, you know what? I'm going to bury my feet in the sand and I'm going to stand firm against these waves and against this storm that comes my way because he is too good, he is too faithful, and I know he was too amazing to bring me and my family this far and leave us here. My second point I want to share with you is he is with you. There are many times in your storm that you're going to feel God is silent, and I speak from experience. But may I encourage you with this. The same way that I decided I was going to plant my feet in the sand and stand firm against the waves, God does the same thing with you. He plants himself and he says, I am not going to stop loving you. I am not going to leave you where you are. There is a plan and a purpose, and you can still praise me because I'm going to carry you through the situation. Don't think for a second that he would leave you, that he brought you this far. He would never leave you here. He would never leave you in your pain. He's working on your behalf. You know, to think there's over 7 billion people in the world, he's got a busy schedule, but he's omnipresent. So praise the Lord. Can I get an amen to that? <laughs> he is not silent, and he has not deserted you. He has a plan. I love what it says in Isaiah 43, 2. When you go through deep waters, I will be with you. He is with you. Point number three is to journal his goodness. Have you actually ever written down the things God has done for you in your life? Have you ever written down the wins, the successes, uh, the highlights, the joyous moments, the little God wings during your day? Have you ever written them down and journaled about them and went back and looked at them? Because when times get rough, you're going to need that. You're going to need to go back and realize he's done so many things. Why would he stop right now? You know, it reminds me of a poem I heard. I'm sure you guys have too. It's called Footprints in the Sand where it goes to say, just because you see one set of footprints doesn't mean God has left you. It means he's carried you. Come with me to Isaiah 61.3. It goes to say, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of spirit of despair. Don't forget your garment of praise. Don't forget your garment of praise. And before Andrew comes up here to share uh, a message, amazing message with you, I want to leave you with a few words. Recently, I've been ending my prayers a little differently. And as I'm praying and I come to the end, I say, thank you, God, for the miracles you have done. And thank you for the miracles you have not yet done. Because I know he is going to come through. I know he is worthy. I know he is righteous. I know he is everything. And he won't leave you here. Our prayers don't end with desperation and hurt. They end with praise. So I encourage you, no matter what you're going through, don't forget your garment of praise. And it may be like a jacket, right? You put one arm in, it's slow, it kind of hurts, because it's going to hurt as you're praising through your pain. But I promise you, it will be worth it, and he will not leave you there. So I love you, church family. I hope this encourages you today. And we're going to hear from Andrew. So, Andrew, we'll see you up here. Awesome. You can definitely tell that Brianna has a gift of hospitality through that message. That was amazing. Um, yeah, man. So a little bit about me. If you don't know, my name is Andrew, and I'm one of our youth leaders here at Fearless on Friday nights. And, uh, yeah, let's give it up for Fearless. Great 6 through 12. See you there. It was so much fun. Um, 
But a bit about me, I was baptized around 15 years ago, at age 12 or 13. Uh, I've been studying actively the word for about 10 years. So when I was 17 or 18, minus a few like prodigal seasons that we all tend to have sometimes. Um, months more so than years. Uh, <laughs> but there's one passage that has guided me basically throughout my entire life. It's kind of been um, the rock of my faith. And that is, it's, it's a moment where Jesus tells his disciples, he's talking about the greatest commandments. And they're asking him and they're thinking like, what's the greatest commandment? Should I not kill people? Should I not have adultery? And he drops like a big truth bomb on them. Mark chapter 12, we can pick it up. Verse 30, it says, And you shall love the Lord God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. And then the second greatest commandment, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There's no greater commandment other than these. So essentially, what Jesus is saying is, you don't really have to worry about the Ten Commandments. That's great. It's good stuff. But most importantly, for us to live our lives, lives is love God and love people. It's, it all boils down to that. Love God, love people. And over the last few years, uh, and, and even recently, I've thought, man, how can I love, love God better? How can I love people better? And I, I began to reflect on what Jesus did and how he showed love. And Jesus' greatest act of love, of course, was his sacrifice for us. He gave his life for us. So I, became, I, I began to think about sacrifice. What does sacrifice be for me? If, if sacrifice is a, a form of love, how can I sacrifice for God and sacrifice for people? And those are kind of two different ideas. And, and I have them. We're going to go through these two points of how can we come to sacrifice for God and, and live a living sacrifice, live to love God, live to love people. Amen? So first point, we're going to sacrifice for God. What can I give God? You can give God my life, career, paycheck, all of this stuff, and I feel like it can be easy to give these grandiose gestures of sacrifice to God. Like, man, only if only if I could, like in Bible times, if I could give my life for God and, and honor God with everything that I have or maybe drop a big believe and build uh, gift to the church or guide me in my marriage. God, can you provide for me financially? I give you my career. But I think more often than not, God is not looking for these massive, big sacrifices. Of course, they're good. And, and if you feel called to sacrifice your job, Go ahead, do it. Honor God with that. Sacrifice for God. But I find it's more often that God asks us to sacrifice what we see are seemingly small things. God calls us to often give up things we overlook, like toxic friends. It can be so easy to give up a toxic friendship, um, but for some reason we feel like it's not important. We'll hold on to it. Uh, it could be even something as simple as our diet getting healthier. It could be Instagram or Facebook. Who are you following? If God calls you to unfollow somebody because they're posting saucy pics, like, that's legitimately, that's a sacrifice. You got to view it like that. Are you willing to unfollow some people, to unfriend some people, to leave some groups in Facebook that are dragging you down? It's real. This is real. Maybe, maybe delete an old collection of photos from a previous relationship. Like you're married now. Why do you got to look at other people? Focus on what you have. For me, it came in, a, in the form of music. I loved looking at these uh, 
artists that would have 10 views and I'd try to find the most genuine, unique sound and like, oh, nobody knows this person. They're awesome. But at some point, God said, or I felt more led to only listen to worship that edifies and glorifies God. Because if I, if I could take every opportunity that I could have to rest in God's presence, why wouldn't you? So I don't even miss the music, and music has always been a giant part of my life. So that's the question. What are you willing to give up? Am I willing to give this up? And in Romans 12.1, Paul writes, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. This is the, the sacrifice to live. It's, it's a living sacrifice. It's living to love God. But then he, in Hebrews, Paul writes this. He says, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding blood in your striving against sin. And that blew me away. So I was like, man, I can do so much better to sacrifice and to love God. It's the simple things. And for now, I'm going to honor God with everything that he asks me to. Good? All right, so next we're going on sacrificing for others. What does that look like? It's a little bit of the same, but it's kind of different. Um, one passage stuck out to me recently. It's in Hebrews 9. I was reading Hebrews, you know. Uh, <laughs> but it says this. Now when these things have been so prepared, the priests are continually entering the outer tabernacle, performing the divine worship, but into the second, only the high priest enters once a year, not without taking a blood sacrifice, which he offers for himself and he offers for the sins of the people committed in ignorance. So basically what this is saying is that the high priest goes on behalf to give a sacrifice for the people who commit sin in ignorance. And that moment of sin of ignorance, to me that lined up directly with people who live their lives, lives, I don't know why I keep saying lives, that's kind of weird. <laughs> people who live their lives ignorant of how good God is and ignorant of of what we have here in this relationship that we have. So for me, that, that manifested in the way of, of being responsible for reaching other people. It's the great commission that we always hear about, spread the gospel, spread the word. And for me, evangelism was always a bit of a weak point. I didn't want to stand in the middle of the street and, and tell people that they need God, right? Because that sometimes feels a little crazy. <laughs> or even invite a family member. That can be so hard for me inviting a family member in. But I believe that we are all called to spread the word, and we are called to evangelize. And, and Paul writes in, to the Corinthians, in 2 Corinthians, this, this verse about, basically about evangelism, and I've been meditating on this like crazy, um, but I'll just read it for you. You are our letter, written in our hearts, known and read by all people, revealing yourselves that you are a letter of Christ, delivered by us, not written with ink, but of the spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of human hearts. We are. What we do when we sacrifice and live for God is we become this model of what Jesus is. We become a model of what Jesus stands for. This is the, the love, the joy, the peace, the patience, the kindness, the goodness. All of this stuff is, is when we walk in line with God, when we sacrifice for other people by becoming more like Christ, we become that evangelist and we become that, that leader to other people that they can now see 
how good God is and that it is something that they could use in their life. This is the sacrifice. So I'll leave you with a question. What am I willing to sacrifice to become God's letter and live in love? What are you willing to sacrifice? Think of the small things. Think of the big things. I've been so excited in this season to have God grow me in brand new ways. I've been challenged, honored, overwhelmed, and blessed in this season, but more than anything, I feel prepared to continue to, God, continue to give God what he asks for and see what he can do. Awesome. So we're going to welcome up Ed here in a second. So good, Ed. That totally convicted me. I deleted all of my saucy pics right there. Oh my god, I do it. I gotta get on stage. I can't have these on Facebook. Just kidding. The only saucy pics I have is like marinara sauce and fettuccine Alfredo. I'm Italian. They gave me the wireless mic, so now I get to really how you doing type thing, all right? Good stuff, guys. Really good stuff. I'm much more calm now than I was in the last service. Um, I want to talk to you guys this morning about a woman named Esther. How many people have heard of Esther before? Esther was a fantastic lady. She was so fantastic that not only does she have a book of the Bible all to herself, but the Jewish people still to this day celebrate what she did with the uh, Feast of Purim. They celebrate every year. For the sake of time, I'm going to go through just quickly what happened with Esther because she did something amazing here that sometimes gets overlooked because she knew how to approach the throne. And that's my title this morning is Approach, How to Approach the Throne. Esther was married to the king of Persia. At this time in history, the Jews lived under Persian rule. And, and not like an Egyptian bad way, but just they lived under Persian rule. Esther was a Jewish girl that was the favored wife of the Persian king. Esther also had an uncle named Mordecai. Mordecai also had favor with the king because he thwarted an assassination attempt against the king. So the king's like, I like Uncle Mordecai. I'm going to keep him around. Thus, we come to the villain, Haman. Guys, you can put up that picture for me, please. When I think of Haman, I think of Jafar from Aladdin. I'm not going to get into the chorus right now because I love that movie. But Haman is the villain, 100%. There's no mercy on this guy. He did not like Uncle Mordecai. You know why? He asked Uncle Mordecai to bow, and Uncle Mordecai said no, because he only bows to the one true God, Yahweh, the God of the Jews. So Haman went out and plotted this whole thing, not only to kill Mordecai, but to kill all the Jews. Mordecai went to his niece and said, Esther, you have to do something. So what does Esther do? Now, if ladies, if you know that um, you could go to your husband and say, listen, something's bad going on this side of the family. We got to fix it. You would do it right away. But Esther knew this. If you approached the king of Persia unsummoned, you could be struck dead on the spot, no matter who you were. So what did Esther do? It says in uh, the book of Esther that she went to her people and said, we need to fast and pray for three days. So that's exactly what happened. She fasted and prayed for three days. After the third day, she gets all prettied up to approach her husband. And what does he do? He raises his staff and welcomes her. Now she has the ear of the king. Esther chapter 5, verses 3 to 8. If you have a Bible, if not, you can read along behind me. It says this, Then the king asked it, 
asked, what is it, Queen Esther? What is your request? Even up to half the kingdom, it will be given to you. Ladies, that's pretty good, right? <laughs> if it pleases, sometimes you don't want to give the remote control. This guy's ready to give her half the kingdom. That's pretty good, right? If it pleases the king, uh, replied Esther, let the king together with Haman, she's setting him up really good right now, uh, come today to a banquet I have prepared for him. So Esther's preparing a banquet for her husband. Bring Haman at once, the king said, so that we may do what Esther asked. So the king and Haman went to the banquet Esther had prepared. They were drinking wine. The king again asked Esther, now what is your petition? It will be given to you. What is your request? Even up to half the kingdom, it will be granted. Esther replied, my petition and my request is this. If the king regards me with such favor, and if it pleases the king, grant my petition to fulfill my request. Let the king and Haman come tomorrow, banquet number two, to I will prepare for them. Then I will answer the king's question. So she prepares two really fancy dinners for her husband and the guy who's trying to wipe out her people. She's setting Haman up, but what she's doing most importantly is she knows how to approach the throne of her husband. She knows that I need to please my husband. I, maybe she loved him. The Bible really doesn't get too much detail there, but she knows that spending time with him is the way to get to his heart. So what happens? They get to the feast and she spills the beans. The king has Haman killed. It's a mess. He's impaled. If you want, you don't know what that is, look it up after the service. It's messy. Um, but Esther um, is brave enough because she knows who she is to her king. Here's the tough part. Some of us don't know who we are when it comes to our Father in Heaven. And it's a struggle because the enemy is speaking in your ear. Your pain is speaking in your ear. The people around you who are unhealthy is speaking into your ear. Your own sins are weighing you down. How could I go up to God? He knows everything I've done. How many times you prayed and not gotten a response? Quote, unquote. Let me tell you something, folks. It's not because God doesn't want to speak to you, and it's not because your sin is stopping it. We have to change our approach. Two quick points. How do we change our approach? Point one, our approach needs to be of confidence of who we are in Christ. 1 John 5, 13 to 15 says this. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. This is the confidence we have in approaching God that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. Whatever we ask, we know that we have what we asked of him. How many times we don't ask things that may be aligned with God and we wonder why we don't get an answer. Second point, our approach needs to be in the right posture of honoring our Father and aligning our requests to his will. How many people remember that our Father? Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It's not until the end of the prayer where you get to start requesting things. And God set it up as an outline on how to pray, not to get into a repetitive nature of, that's how I'm going to pray all the time. When we align ourselves to God's will, he will tell us what's best for us. <clears throat> Excuse me. About a week ago, actually exactly a week ago, 
I lost one of my first cousins. And the night before, I spent half the night praying. It was a terrible situation. And I got to the point where I was on a phone with her sister, and she's a believer. And it's like, we want her to still stay with us. But God the Father may have another idea. Because she lived 40 plus years when the doctors told her, told her mom 40 some years ago she wouldn't walk out of the hospital. Every day she was a walking miracle. Every day she, she, loved, the, she loved the Lord. Every day she shone the love of Christ. No matter what you did, no matter what happened, she was smiling and loving her family and loving life. And I felt the Lord say, Lord, I need to pray your will. Because my will is for her to stay with us and keep living this struggle. But it's like I said to her sister, we need to pray God's will, even if it doesn't make sense. When we approach God seeking his presence, and this is the key point of Esther, before hours, not only does he hear us, but he, we will have what he asks of him. So my, my challenge to you this morning is this. How many times we approach God with a list? I said this this morning. For many years, I treated God like he was Santa. Here's Lord, here's my list of needs. I'm praying for this, I'm praying for that. I need a new job, I need a woman. That was a while ago. That was a while ago. Cross that off the list, thank God. That was the toughest one. Jesus, please. I'm a nice person. Let someone love me. <laughs> Thank God she does. But you know, God knows the list. God knew the list before you wrote it. God created the paper that the list was on. And yet, where are we? Where's Ed? Ed's like, Lord, here's my list. Woke up every morning praying my insurance prayers. You know what the insurance prayers are? Lord, watch over my family. Watch over my dog. Watch over my house. Watch over my wife. And it's like, that's all good. And if you do that, great. But Jesus is like, sit with me. Sit on my feet. I love you more than what's on that list. I love you more than the pain you're going through. And if you sit with me and spend time with me, I will give you peace. I will show you my will for your life. Someone a long time ago, not that long ago, a while back, asked me what the def. I was younger as a believer. They asked me what, the, what my definition of salvation was. And I just, you know, when Jesus came, died on a cross, yada, yada, yada. And he was a pastor, and he said to me, my definition of salvation is this. When we give up our will for our lives for what God wants for our lives, it's the transfer of wills. You may be here today, and you know what? You don't know where your life is going. You may be hitting a wall, and that's okay. How many people have been there? I've been there too many times. But it's like, I need to learn how to approach my father because he's not like the king of Persia. I don't have to worry about walking up to my father and him striking me dead. He's standing in front of me like the prodigal son's father, ready to give me all. You see, the king offered Esther half. That's pretty good. But because of our father in heaven, all that is his is ours. There is no halvesies with our Father. So I want to talk to you. I want to I just pray with you this morning. If we could ask you to bow your heads, close your eyes, just get comfortable. You may be here today and you're like, Ed, I don't know where my life is going. I heard about this guy named Jesus. I've been coming to church life for a while. Or maybe you do know about this man named Jesus and you found yourself in a tight spot. 
Can I tell you that God loves you? He sent his son to die on a cross for you. Why? Not so you could serve him as much as is have a relationship with him. Because when we have a relationship with God, we want to do what he wants us to do. Do you know that God loves you no matter what you did yesterday, today, or tomorrow? Your sin does not have to stand in the way of approaching our Father unless we make that sin an idol that we put between us. Because of what Jesus did, dying for our sins, resurrecting three days later, we not only have the access level that Esther had, but we have the access level a child has to a loving parent. In a couple seconds, I'm going to pray, and I'm going to have everyone kind of pray together. And this is just a prayer for us to get into alignment for who Jesus was, for what he did for us, to acknowledge that we're sinners, to say, Lord, I want to follow you. I don't know what that looks like, Lord, but I'm going to take a step today. So you're ready? Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner. I ask for your forgiveness. I believe you died for my sins and rose from the dead. I turn my sins and invite you to come into my heart and life. I want to trust and follow you as my Lord and Savior. Now, eyes closed. If that's the first time you prayed that prayer, raise your hand. I see that hand in the back. I see a couple hands in the front. I see hands up in the middle. If you pray that prayer, you took a step today to say, Lord Jesus, I want to hear more about our Father in heaven. Lord God, I want to know more about you and what you have for me because right now my life is going in a direction that I cannot stop. I'm going to pray right now for everybody. Lord, I thank you right now for everyone under the sound of my voice and anyone who's watching at home. Father God, I pray that you invade their space. You find that hole in their heart that they have been closing off to you. And Lord God, you be more real to them today than you were yesterday, more real to them than you were this morning. I thank you, Lord God, for every person in this church, for every person that's listening right now, that they will walk away from today knowing more about you and not just all the good stuff that and the blessings you'll bring them, but the relationship that we could have, that approaching the throne is not a hard thing to do. We just have to approach differently. We thank you and we give you today in Jesus' name.